Tonight with your special host, Ashley B. In April of 1875, the most sensational murder in the history of Fulton County took place. Charged with one of the most shocking crimes imaginable were Mary Malott and her husband, Daniel, a Civil War veteran who was known throughout Buck Valley as Wolf Dan on account of his disfigured face. It was Valentine's Day of 1875 when the Malots left their simple frame house in Belfast County to pay a visit to a friend, Mrs. Phoebe Clark, who lived a little more than a mile down the road. Before leaving home, Daniel Malott fed three red oak logs into the fireplace, but noticed that one of the logs was too long. He remedied the situation with an axe, and then made sure that the fireplace tongs, shovel, and poker were safely out of the reach of their children. Three of the Malott children, Edward, Anna, and Martha, aged two, three, and four, were left in the house until their return. At around four o'clock in the afternoon, Daniel and Mary Malott set off for Mrs. Clark's house, taking their infant daughter with them. They had scarcely traveled 300 yards when Daniel stopped in his tracks and told his wife that they had left a chair in front of the fireplace. He told his wife to stay there and wait while he returned home to move the chair where it would be out of the reach of the three children. Mary Malott waited for her husband, but being underdressed for the weather, decided to continue along the road to Mrs. Clark's house. Her husband managed to catch up with her before too long, however, and together they arrived at the Clark house shortly before 4.30. About a half hour later, there came a knock at Mrs. Clark's door. Two local residents, Herbert Morgret and Stillwell Truix, asked to speak to Daniel Malott. When he appeared, he was informed by Morgret that his home was on fire. Where are your children? asked Morgret. They are up the house. Daniel replied. They are burning up! cried Truix. Daniel rushed outside, ran to the road, and peered off in the distance towards his house. He told the men they must have been mistaken. It wasn't his house that was on fire. Truix said, It is your house, Millot. I saw the smoke. At this, Daniel began to run down the road towards his home, but Morgret told him to get into the sleigh. Millot obliged, but frustrated by the slow pace, urged Morgret to hurry up. There's no point in driving my horses to death, Morgret replied. The children are already burned up by now. Malott jumped out of the sleigh and ran to his house at full speed, reaching it several moments before Morgret and Truex arrived. He saw one of his neighbors, Adam Hess, who was the first Buck Valley resident to arrive at the scene. By this time, the structure was thoroughly engulfed in flames. Hess appeared ashen-faced and dumbfounded, and Malak could tell by his expression that it was too late to save the children. What am I going to do? Asked Malak. Hess said that he did not know. From the looks of things, there wasn't much anyone can do. At this, Malak broke down, threw his arms around Hess, and said, I want you to kill me. Hess, who lived a third of a mile down the road, had noticed something was wrong around 4.45 when he detected a strange smell in the air. Then he noticed smoke and traced it to the Malach chimney, which was belching flames. He reached the house three minutes later, but could see no flames except for those coming out of the chimney. When he tried to open the door, it opened easily, but a sudden burst of smoke and fire prevented him from entering. Walking to the rear of the house, Hess discovered that the fire had already burned through the wall. It was at this point he summoned Morgan and Truix, who were nearby on the road, and told them to find Daniel Malott. Daniel headed back to the Clark residence to break the news to his wife, meeting her on the road halfway. 
They're gone, he said. Together they returned to the spot where their home once stood, leaned against the railing, and watched the fire consume the house. Mary sobbed mournfully, while Daniel could do nothing but stare at the flames. <laughs> the Malots received little comfort from their neighbors, and so they spent the night at the home of Mrs. Clark. Just after sunrise, neighbors began the gruesome task of collecting the bones and charred remains of the three Malot children. The youngest of the children, Edward, was found tied in a chair just inches from the hearthstones of the fireplace. After the fire, several neighbors recalled previous statements made by the Malots that seemed to have suggested the fire may not have been accidental. Daniel had once told a neighbor that the children were nothing but a nuisance, and his life would be much better without them. It was also reported that Daniel had locked the windows and the door. From these details, locals cobbled together a theory of what must have happened. After Daniel left his wife on the road and returned to the house, he tied his three children to chairs, sat them in front of the roaring fireplace, then locked them inside. A spark set fire to one of the children's clothing, and the blaze soon spread. Believing this theory to be correct, authorities arrested the Malots and they were taken to the McConnellsburg jail. During the murder trial, the defense built their argument around the claim that Daniel, who was never the sharpest tool in the shed, had a mental deficiency that was only made worse by his war injuries. With his disfigured face, it was a wise strategy to play for sympathy. Also helping his case was the fact that the evidence didn't exactly support the claims made by those who sifted through the ruins the morning after the fire. While the prosecution claimed that Malott had locked his children inside the house, Adam Hess, who was the first to arrive on the scene, had already told reporters that the door opened easily when he turned the knob. For all anyone knew, Hess could have committed the crimes just as easily as Malott, or so could have anyone else for that matter. As for the theory that Malott had strapped the three children to chairs, the coroner determined that only one child, the youngest of the three who had been left home alone, had been tied to a chair. The remains of the other two were found in the furthest corner of the room. Therefore, it was entirely possible that Malott had tied the toddler into the chair as a safety precaution. Since the evidence was purely circumstantial, and the tragedy very well could have been accidental, the jury had no choice but to acquit the Malots. This did not sit well with the residents of Belfast Township, of course. After the acquittal, public sentiment towards the Malots was so hostile that they were forced to flee the valley. However, it seemed that wherever they went, they were greeted with the same cold stares and bitter insults. They eventually settled in Bedford County, even though their reputation had preceded them. Just when it seems that the world had forgotten about the tragic fire of 1875, Daniel Malott, once again, found himself the target of public condemnation after the shocking death of another one of his children. By 1881, the Malots had moved back to Fulton County. That summer, Daniel had given one of his boys a coin to put into the Sunday school collection box. Instead of putting it in the box, the young boy pocketed the coin. When Daniel learned what the child had done, he punished him by dragging him outside and hanging him from a tree by the heels. A person who had been walking by 
saw the child hanging from the tree and cut him down, but the child died before the doctor could arrive. In 1894, when a diphtheria epidemic raged through Fulton County, the Mallott family was not spared. The first to perish was 17-year-old Margaret, who succumbed to the disease on November 4th. Her six-year-old sister, Ella, followed her to the grave the following day. What emotional effect this may have had on the man known as Wolf Dan is unknown. By this time, six of his children had passed away. But the dreaded disease claimed him next. On November 21st, Daniel Mallott died in his Buck Valley home, a pariah to the bitter end. Today, a shroud of mystery still surrounds the tragic fire. Generations of Fulton County residents have lived and died believing that Daniel Mallott was guilty of murdering his children, while generations have lived and died believing that he was innocent. At this point, only the good Lord knows. Although, my personal opinion, he was judged too harshly by the locals. If one of his neighbors hadn't heard his offhand remark about the children being a nuisance, in all likelihood, the fingers of suspicion never would have been pointed into his face. Mystery also surrounds the final resting place of the three young children who burned to death on that bitter, cold Valentine's Day in 1875. There is no historical record to indicate where the remains were laid to rest, or if they were ever laid to rest at all. Perhaps someday, if you are walking along Buck Valley Road, you may hear the sound of the children wailing or the sound of a phantom horse drawing a sleigh through the snow. And if you do, then you will know that they are the sounds of lost souls trying to find their way home. If you enjoyed this podcast, pick up a copy of my newest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 3, available now at www.sunburypress.com. Volume 3 features 30 remarkable but true stories from every corner of the Keystone State. And be sure to visit my blog, paoddities.blogspot.com, for over 600 bizarre tales of murder and mystery from the colonial era to the present day. The Pennsylvania Oddities Podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Listen to the Pennsylvania Oddities Podcast on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite program. New episodes on a 1st and 15th of every month. Bye-bye.